good evening and welcome to uh, Built to Last, uh, the rest of the story as we begin to look at uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Let's, uh, let's stand together and open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and let's pray together and ask the Spirit of the Lord to be with us today. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and we pray that you would lead us in all the things that you would have us to learn and grow in tonight. Father, let this be a, an encouraging night, a challenging night, a fun night. But let us, Father, go out of here with a clear understanding of your purpose for our lives. And in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Verse 13, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but a salt has lost its taste. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. There are times when I drive through our community and I'm going through the traffic in Springfield and driving by the houses in Springfield. And I'm hit with this just daunting thought that everybody we see, every person around us, is going to spend eternity someplace. There's only two choices. It's not a multiple choice answer. They're going to either going to spend eternity in the presence of God or they're going to spend eternity separated from the presence of God. That's a pretty staggering thing to face. And then I wonder, am I doing enough? Is there, are we all doing enough? And what would a church look like where every person took that responsibility seriously every day? What would my life look like if I took it seriously every moment of every day? From time to time, I'll have somebody who's fired up about evangelism come, and, and uh, you know, they'll want to put something together. They'll want to do some street outreach or some, uh, some campaign or something to try to reach people. I'm not opposed to any of those things. I've been a part of all those kind of things many, many, many times. But I came to the conclusion a long time ago where, that where God may use that in some way, it's not his ultimate plan. Uh, he, he does use those things. But his ultimate plan is much more personal than that. And we begin to see that in this passage. This is a a passage uh, that, where I, that I've read about dozens of times and dozens of different commentaries over the years, uh, preached on this subject many times. And I've always found it interesting that as the crowds have gathered to hear Jesus and he takes the seat of authority to speak to them and to teach them, that when he gets through this revelation of who the believer is because he's met with God, he begins to turn immediately to the responsibility of the believer. It's right here in this message. 
the Christian life, your life as a follower of Christ, mine as a follower of Christ, is not to be lived hidden, but out in the open before the world. Everybody who knows us, every place that we spend any amount of time at all, the fact that we are followers of Christ should be one of the clear messages of who we are as a people. I mean, it, it just should be all overs. It should be natural for us to talk about. And we should see ourselves as planted in the places that were planted for a purpose, for a reason. Think about it for a moment. Every person you work with, every neighbor we have, every person we go to school with, everyone who comes into our business, and every one of them is going to spend eternity somewhere. The call isn't for us to look at every one of them every day and preach a gospel message. I believe the call is found in this passage of how we live our life every day. Does that call for us to speak up at times? Yes. When the door opens, we're called to speak. We're called to tell the truth. But I want you to, to see that we're to live our life out in, out in the open. And Jesus' great prayer for the church, before he leaves us, he prays this prayer. Listen to it with me from John chapter 17. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And listen to this verse. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. As followers of Christ, the Great Commission applies to our lives. This prayer applies to our lives. And we have been sent into the world. It's a responsibility. Listen to what is said in 1 Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Boy, I've heard people shout and dance over that part of the verse. That can be pretty exciting, isn't it? But listen to the next part that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's done this work in us so that we may be a people who proclaim that to others. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. But thanks be to God who in Christ always led us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Let's say that again. And through us, through us, spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. So just, you know, kind of see yourself walking in the places that you go 
and God's presence is so heavy upon us that the fragrance of who he is, the results of who he is, is spread everywhere that we go. That's what he says is supposed to happen through our lives, through you and through me. Fragrance everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? The short passage that we've read today out of the Sermon on the Mount is backed up again by all these other passages and many more that we could read tonight that shows us our responsibility before the world. We have come out of the darkness into the light. We have been ones who have felt the touch of God in our life and have been delivered. And we are the ones who are supposed to walk through our life. We can go where no outreach program can go. We can walk where no group of people can get to. We can go into, and we can build relationships every place that we go. And we can share the fragrance of Christ everywhere that we go. I believe that in this passage, we see two strategic actions. We are to be the salt and the light. I, I, you've probably heard me uh, say this again. This is kind of a, a two-fisted approach to living in a dark world. How do we live in this dark world? Uh, the first one that Jesus says is salt. Now, there's many theories. If you read commentaries on this, you read theologians, you get many, many different theories. You know, the white represents purity and saltiness represents taste. And salt at times in the, in the, in, in the days of Rome was used as currency. Thus you get the saying, not worth is salt. However, culturally, they would have most likely related this statement about salt as its prime purpose in that day, which was as a preservative. They didn't have a refrigeration like we have it, so they would pack their meat in salt to keep it from rotting and spoiling so they could transport it and save it. And they would try to keep it from, from rotting. This is the responsibility of the believer to resist the rot. Do you hear me? To resist the rot, to be a preservative in the world. Listen to how the Bible sees the world. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now that's goes back to what we talked about Sunday, that if you do the right thing and you live righteously and you speak up when you should speak up and you follow the conviction of the Holy Spirit and do what you should do, you're going to run into some persecution sometime. Now listen to verse 13. While evil people, people who've given up, an evil person is somebody who most likely knows who God is if you read through Proverbs, but has decided to live their own way. 
They're wicked. They're evil. They're not just blind. They're purposeful in their sin. But listen, but while evil people and imposters, who are imposters, these are people who proclaim to be Christ followers, proclaim to be religious people, but they're imposters, they're just faking it for their own purposes. So you've got the evil and the imposters who will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the picture that God gives us of the world, especially of the evil, and those aren't really submitted to God, is it's not going to get better and better. It's going to get worse and worse. The things, the, 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 the atmosphere is going to get worse and worse. It's going to get more of the evil will grow. You know, you, you just, just do a, a study on movies from when they came out and how they started and where they are today, and you will see the progression and a progression that matches in our society of evil getting worse and worse and worse and worse. We go through our society, and this is the way society will go when when it turns its back on God and the Spirit of God is not allowed in to be a preservative in our life. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to slow the process, to, to be a people who preserve things. Well, where and how can I do that? I can't, I, I can't personally change the movie industry, and neither can any of you. But what can I do? Where am I? In our places of influence and with our abilities in Christ, we are to preserve things. So let let me just speak to a couple. Let's lay out a few places. We are to preserve the righteousness of God in our families. A father can have a great influence over the atmosphere of the home, a great influence over what comes in to the home and what he doesn't allow in the home. A mother can have a great influence on the spirit and the atmosphere of the, of the home. Our words and our actions can set boundaries that make our home a home of purity and righteousness through our own spirit and with our life. A child, to a lesser degree, can have influence. A friend may have, to a lesser degree, have influence. But the call of the Christian in the home is to make my home a home of righteousness, And it comes down very simply to the kind of language I allow in my home. It comes down simply to the kind of entertainment I allow in my home. Am I being formed by the world? Am I getting worse and worse and worse? Or am I building my life to be purer and purer and purer and set apart to God? The call of the believer is to use his influence lovingly with the, with the authority that he has to influence towards righteousness. 
It, it can be in a neighborhood. How do we invest ourselves in a neighborhood? How do we build relationships and friendships in a neighborhood? How do we put ourselves in a place where we can become the salt of the earth? It can be in a workplace. An owner in a workplace can have a great influence in the very atmosphere of the workplace by what's allowed in that workplace and what's not allowed in that workplace. And we see great studies of this when we look at some companies that come in and the way they approach service and the way they approach attitude and the way they approach the way they do their work and other companies and how they do it and the vast difference, how leadership, ownership, or management can impact the inf and, and influence a, a place. Or a manager can turn his ear and be deaf to language, to actions, to innuendos to things happening in the workplace and not paying any attention to it. And instead of the workplace becoming a better place, it becomes a worse place. A worker, through the diligence of his life, can earn a place of influence because they're diligent, because they work, because they're servant-hearted, because they have a right spirit coming into the workplace. Because they have a right. They may not own the place. They may not be the manager. They may not have any uh, authority given to them by position. But they earn a place of position by the spirit that they bring into the place. And they begin to influence. They begin to have impact. We, have, we become the salt of the earth in our friendships. What do I go along with and what do I not go along with? What do I let happen around me? What do I, you know, kind of, okay, well, my friend's not a Christian, so that's the way it is. When do I speak up and when don't I? When do I say, not around me, I'd rather that not be around me. I'd rather not be a part of that. If that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to excuse myself from this. I, you know, it's just not, I'm just not comfortable. When do we step up and become salt that begins to say, this isn't what I want the relationship to be like or what I want to do. We're called to be the salt of the earth. And each one of us have to pray our way through those things. We have influence in our culture. A leader, a public influence, a TV, radio, music person has great influence in the culture in what they sing or say and promote, what they laugh at when they appeal to the base nature of man and nobody is there the same thing. And again, the question comes, what do I go along with? How much do we laugh at? How much do we let into our home? How much do we nod at? How much do we just say, oh, well, that's just the way the world is? And we go along with it. Who do we vote for? How do we pray? Remember, Esther was born for a moment in life to have great influence. And listen, she had to risk her life to be that person of influence. Morka, and her, her, uncle, her uncle said to her, you know, you're born in a moment like this, but if you don't do it, God will raise up somebody else. I don't know what's going to happen to you, but God will raise up somebody. And so we look in our life and we just begin to ask ourselves, 
how do I how do I do this? Now I would tell you today, if you're sitting in a in a workplace or you're sitting in a in a in, in some place where the, the the atmosphere is just full of rot, you're probably not going to go in tomorrow and say, uh, "Time out, I'm a Christian. Let's fix this." Now that's probably not the smart thing to do. The smart thing to do is to begin to add salt into the situation. To begin to walk away when you need to walk away. To begin to say something that's better. To begin to say, I'm not going to be a part of that. And to begin to add salt into the situation. The church is supposed to be a preservative in a community. Listen, we are not supposed to look like the world. There's no place in the Bible where the Bible tells us, uh, you know, be so much like the world that, they'll lo- that they love you. No, it says be so different from the world they hate you. And the call is for us to be a people who are different, not because our haircuts are different or our clothes are different, e- even though I would say modesty should always prevail, but that our character is different. Who we are as a people are different. This isn't about a set of rules of how to dress or how to do certain things or what's right. It's about being the character of Christ applied in a situation, not hidden, but present. And this is what Jesus is saying to us, that our voices should be heard. Now, how do we stay pure in a world going from bad to worse. Second Timothy goes on to say in verse four, chapter 3, verse 14, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believe, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with, acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We must stay tethered to the Word. And so as we come into a place like tonight, we come in saying, God, correct me. And all of a sudden we feel the, 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 the revelation and conviction of God that we've gone along with things in our home We've let our kids say and act ways in our home. We've let, you know, the conversation in our home go places. We've let it go places in the workplace, and we've been a part of it. We've let things go. And, and God would say to us in a moment like this, be the salt of the earth. Be the salt of the earth. And, and the, again, as we said Sunday, the farther our society wanders from the Scripture, the more pronounced the difference is going to be between those who try to do the, those things and those who live another way. Now we come to the part, uh, and the second part of our responsibility, light. I, I think light is defined in this verse. Let, let me, let, let's read it again. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light in all the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus is the one and only light of the world. His light is to shine through us. 
He is the source of the light. We are recipients of that light when we invite him into our life. Jesus cannot be hidden. The world needs to know Jesus is our Lord and our hope. Once again, it's absolutely essential for us to understand our responsibility that we are not to hide this thing of faith. We are to reveal this thing of faith. We are to let people know who we are, that we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and we've accepted Jesus as our hope. And we are there and here to follow and represent him. If we don't proclaim Jesus, there is no light of his glory. No matter how many good works we do, no matter how kind we are, no matter how, how nice things may be, if it's left without Jesus, if you send your money to support really good causes, but those causes are absent of Jesus, you've just done a temporary work. That's why we give to things like we have this week to Convoy of Hope, because it will go in the name of Jesus. It'll go in Jesus' name. It's a convoy of hope, not just that they get water or blankets or assistance, but that they will hear that it's being given to them in the name of Jesus. So if we don't proclaim Jesus, there's no light. We're called to live in the open as Christ followers. And so again, does everyone know you're a Christian? Have you begun to make that proclamation? This is why we tell you that you need to have the talk with people in your life that you don't know if they're Christ followers. What talk are you supposed to have? You're supposed to get with them in a, in a very non-threatening place and say to them, hey, I just uh, want you to know the most important thing in my life. I just want to tell you about it. You know, there came this point in time in my life as a kid or as a young adult or as an adult when I was searching and looking for something and, wow, I, I, heard, I heard about Jesus and how he'd come to this earth and paid for our sins and it just resonated in my spirit and I felt the presence of God move in me and convict me and my life was changed. And I used to do all these things. God had taken me all this. And I just want to invite you to, have, have you ever had that happen to you? No? Okay, well. I want to invite you to uh, watch my life. Ask me any questions you have. What are you doing? You're, you're putting your life out there in front of them to say, I, I want to be the light of the world in this place. And you're, you're opening a door for the testimony of Christ in their life. If we don't proclaim Jesus, there is no light. How does the, the, the light in us have a positive influence in the world. Listen to what it says. Let your, let your light shine before others. Let the world know you're a Christ follower. Let them know. Don't hide it. So that they may see your good works. So here's the second part. We are responsible to do good works. I'm responsible to do good works. We are called to be the most sensitive, compassionate, involved people in our society. We're just called to let the Spirit of God use us. This goes from very simple things, like being the one to open the door for people, 
helping somebody clean up a mess, helping somebody carry something that they need help with, volunteering to do the lunch run at work, taking, taking, uh, taking food to a neighbor in need. The smallest of things, the daily walk of having a right attitude, a right spirit, a servant-hearted spirit, to say, I'm going to come into this workplace or this neighborhood or this family, and I'm not going to be the one that demands service. I'm going to be the one that offers service because I represent the one who came to serve me, and I'm going to serve others. I'm going to be the light of the world in their life. This goes from the smallest of things to finding ministries to build or ministries to join and working wholeheartedly and passionately and praying for them, whether that's being in a choir or working in an outreach ministry or serving in a children's department or working with young people. But understand, I am here to pour ministry into people's lives, going on a missions trip, whatever it might be. I'm going to invest my time, my talent, and my treasure to show good works to a lost world. I'll just tell you, I see people pour lots of time and lots of effort into things that are meaningless. Now, they can become meaningful if you use them to be a witness. But if they're just about your pleasure and your good time and what you enjoy doing, that's not why God wired you that way. God wired us the way that he wired us. Listen, if you're a fisherman and you love to fish, God wired you that way because there's somebody he wants you to take with you. I'm just telling you, there's somebody he wants, there's a grandson or a son or, or somebody, a friend, a neighbor, that he wants you to say, I'm going to be the light of the world to this guy. Whatever it is, you just, you just name whatever it is. You go, oh, I love doing that. Who's your Lord? Why has he wired you that way? To understand we are never on vacation. We are always on duty. Wherever we go, wherever we're at, we're on duty. We may be a briefing, a brief ship in their life passing in the night. But we may be the one ship of life, of light that comes into their life that opens a door for them and they begin to search. I'm telling you, there are times in our life that God puts us in a place and you do something, and when you are the light of the world, you do something life-changing. And you never see the life change yourself. You never know that's what happened. But a seed is planted, a light is given, and a destiny is changed. And you are a part of it if you choose to be the light of the world. So this goes from the small things to the big things, to walk in them and to be kind to be easy to get along with, to think about serving others. This is one thing I don't, I don't understand about some Christians. The most important thing in a Christian's life, listen, the most important thing in your life is your testimony. Testimony. 
it's more important than whether you got the right order from the waitress. It's more important than getting your way with the neighbor. The most important thing in our life is how we traverse the difficulties of life and the moments of life with a spirit of love and kindness that shows the light of the gospel. And I just want to encourage you, wherever you go, walk with that spirit of kindness, that easy to get along. That, that doesn't mean you don't send the order back. You just send it back nicely. You hear me? It, it doesn't mean you let your neighbor, you know, you know, park his car halfway over in your yard and ruin your, your grass. You just talk to him nicely about it. And try to find a way to solve it. And even if he says, I'm never going to change, if you say, well, you know, as nice as you can, tell him you're calling the police. <laughs> but be nice. You don't have to be nasty or mean. You don't have to get, when, everybody, when the whole world's exploding, the Christian should be at peace. Is this, are, are you getting this tonight? We're the light of the world. Listen, once you get this, being salt keeps us from being run over and giving in to the world. Being the light keeps us from being a religious annoyance. When we live with the heart of Christ, the world will see the glory of the Father. What is glory? Glory that what are they going to see? They're going to see his wisdom. They're going to see his power. They see his beauty. They see his love. The awesomeness of God is seen in the purposeful work of God through our lives. His wisdom, his power, his beauty, and his love. They see his, that's, that's what, all that wrapped up is, the, is what you see in the glory, the glory of God. Uh -uh. The rose reflects the glory of God. Doesn't say anything, it's just beautiful. Smells, some people say it smells good, it just makes me sneeze. It's beautiful, it's gorgeous. It reflects the wisdom of God. It reflects the creativity of God. It re reflects the power of God. It reflects all of the greatness of God, whether it's the flower or the tree or the star in the sky. All of these, the Bible said, proclaim the glory of God. Do you know the one thing on this earth that doesn't proclaim the glory of God? You have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Why? Because we don't live by the way we're supposed to live. And the person who comes into the light begins to live and conduct themselves in a way and do good works that the world sees and sees the glory of God. Let's go back and look at Ephesians chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to sit around and think about how lucky we are. Is that what we're created to do? To come to church and to be fed and to feel better about myself and go home and feel better about myself. Is that what we're called to do? To come and get in the presence of God and jump up and down and have an exciting night and go, oh, that was a great church service. 
Is that what we're created to do? Created for created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, live our life in them. No one hides the rose in a dark room, and neither are we to be hidden in a dark room. We're to be out doing the work that God's called us to do and gifted us to do that the light of the gospel may shine through us. We live as salt and life, light. I believe the, res- the, re- the response at times should be, and here's how I think the world should respond to us at times, when we live as salt and light. Wow, those Christians, they drive me crazy sometimes. Just can't seem to please them all. They just don't get it. They don't get it sometimes. They make me uncomfortable. But man, they're great to have around. <laughs> Why? Because we're salt and we resist the rot, but we're light and we let our good works shine before men. What we want is we want the world to think, what, could we, what would we do without those people? Boy, our, our neighborhood would be worse off. Our, our workplace would be worse off. Man, if he left or she left, man, this would be a worse place to work. It would be a tougher place to, to live. It would be harder to, be, to, to get by. Man, things would just kind of go downhill. But sadly, I think at times the church has lived in such a way that those who are not Christians have ample reason to say, I wish they'd just go away. I wish they'd just go away. I wish they weren't around. See, I, I believe that we're called to be this challenge that makes the world really uncomfortable. But we're also supposed to be this light that makes them feel very warm. And if all we are is salt, it won't be long till we'll be the religious annoyance. And if all we are is just a light that shines and does good things, but we're never the salt, we never proclaim Christ, then we're empty of power. But when we walk in both, then we bear influence in the places that we're at. And we become the salt of the world and the light of the world. That's our call. Here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to close this, uh, this session. And, uh, but we're not going to close it and just say uh, goodbye uh, like we have. That's, that's okay when we do that. But I'm going to ask you to take a few minutes. It's, it's only quarter till, well, only about 20 till, quarter till. Take, take a few minutes. If you want to come around the altar, that's fine. If you want to come down on the front rows, you just want to spread out around the building, that's fine. But take a, a, a few minutes and take this prayer list, am I being the salt of the earth? And just kind of meditate on it and let the Spirit of the Lord speak to you. Here's, here's, 
This is something I, I really think a lot of people need to learn. How to, Lord, am I being the salt of the earth in my own life? In my own life, am, am I resisting sin? Am I holding sin back or, or, or have I opened my mind and my heart to things I shouldn't? I'm going along. I'm getting formed by the world. And let the Lord speak to you. Listen. Lord, how about in my home? Am I being the salt of the earth in my home? Am I really resisting sin in my home? How about in my relationships? Am I being the salt of the earth in my relationships? Am I, are, are my relationships healthier, less rotten because I'm in them? Or do I fight and fuss and go along with things I shouldn't? How about in the church? Is the church purer, more righteous because I'm in it? The way I talk with my friends, the way we act, the way I come in and worship, the way I walk through the church. How about in the workplace, Lord? How am I doing in the workplace? And God, what should I do? If I'm not being the salt there, where do I begin? How do I start? And just let the Lord speak to you. Take all those and just kind of work your way through them before you go in our culture. And am I being the light of the world with my family? Maybe some of you come from families like, like I do where almost everybody's a Christian. Maybe you come from families where you're the only Christian. In both places, we're called to be the light of the world. I want to be the light of the world before my, my, my Christian kids. I want them to see you know, how a follower of Christ acts. What about with my friends? Am I being the light of the world with my friends? Do I ever even invite them to church? Do I ever just serve them? Do I ever just do anything to be the light of the world to them? What about with my coworkers and, and my attitude and the way I approach my responsibilities at work and the way I conduct myself when I come and leave the workplace? Do I have a couple of good days and a couple of bad days? I go through sometimes, and man, I'm really good, and then I'm, you know, I'm kind of all over the place, all over the charts. Or, or is my testimony, do I do that work for the glory of God? What about in my church, and what about in my generation? So here we are. I just want to give you a chance tonight to take a few minutes and say, God, this is a lesson. It's profitable. It's profitable for correction. So, Lord, if you want to correct me or if you want to show me where to go be the light of the world more, if you want to say to me, God, something to do for somebody, I'm all ears. And I'm taking these next few moments to listen to you. Get along with God. This is not between you and your neighbor right now. This is just between you and God. Let him speak to your life. And when you're done, God bless you. Thank you for being here. And I hope, I hope this has been a blessing to you.